Hi, I'm Stephen Crafty. I'm presenting Talking Design in Melbourne at RMIT University, and I'm with an interesting person called Tamsin O'Neill. Um, Tamsin, you probably know her um, through the Green Magazine. She's the editor of Green Magazine, and um, but she also started as a photographer, so she has a good eye for what's what's coming up. Welcome to the program. Thanks, Stephen. Tamsin. How did Green start? Because it was kind of, you know, there's so many magazines out there and obviously, <laughs> you know, everyone's been talking about green since year dot and then you look at these buildings you think, oh, where's the green? And, and for a while it wasn't. It was almost like people, architects and designers were talking about green when stuff wasn't green. So how did it start? Well, I guess in 2007 when we launched the first issue... Uh, sustainability was quite high on the agenda at that time. There was a lot of talk. There was a, we're in the middle of a drought. There was a lot of talk about architecture and sustainability or about climate change, which is a topic that we don't really go near. We really are talking about design. And mm. But at that time, there was a lot going on. And, and actually, um, a mentor of mine, Fiona Austin, suggested that there really wasn't anything on the shelves that um, people go to to find good sustainable architecture um, and at that time I thought the same as you too many magazines out there why would I possibly want to produce another one um, I'd been working for a small publishing house and uh, I just kind of jumped on it and went with it mm. and probably didn't think too long and hard about it <laughs> well so what was what was the idea you don't, I mean, you don't just start a magazine. You have to no, think there has to no. be a plan. No. Well, I had been producing this magazine on, you know, renovating period homes. I'd been editing that for a number of years. And so I, I, I really felt like there was this great um, local industry, not just in architecture, but also in product design. There was this, this growing group of young designers producing furniture locally. Um, and... I guess I could see this this structure in the magazine before I started it, and I thought mm -hmm. that, that there was really a yearning for a bit more talk about local design. Mm -hmm. And um, I was also seeing these fantastic projects, and, and there was also a lot of talk at that point about urban density, um, you know, scale. We would, there was articles on, you know, McMansions, and I just thought, oh, we really need something that looks at great... Um, urban and regional architecture from a sustainable perspective. And when people say green, often you mentioned prior to coming here that, you know, people say, oh, you know, water tank mm. and, you know, the cells on the roof, the photovoltaic cells mm. on the roof, mm. and that's it. Mm. But, but what do you look for when you're looking for projects to feature in your magazine Green? Mm. Um, I don't look for those things really at all. So what um, do you look for? Uh, they're just uh, a kind of given these days or not, um, depending on the project. There's lots of other elements that uh, are really important if you're going to make a project green. I tend to be looking these days a lot um, for uh, really simple and small scale. That's what I'm looking for infill projects, small renovations that are sympathetic to the site. I'm looking for um, adaptive reuse. I'm looking for interesting recycled materials and not obvious ones. I'm looking for new products being used in, in renovations. I mean, there's there are new systems for building that have got good mm -hmm. sustainable 
um, technologies behind them. So mm. I'm looking for all sorts of different things, and I'm looking for beauty too. Mm. I'm looking for really beautiful houses that um, are simple and not necessarily ostentatious or expensive. Mm. They're, mm. they're clever. I'm looking at... Um Issue 50 and on the front cover, and I actually think I know the architect. It's not David Luck, yeah, is it? Because yeah. oh, he, was, he was really chuffed to be featured in your he magazine. Was he it was, was lovely, really and chuffed. it's such a fabulous project. Tell me about really that, because it's up. got this almost hedgehog-style roof. Yes. It's a tiny little building that takes up the space of what was a carport in Fitzroy, and sorry, Clifton Hill, or Fitzroy, North Fitzroy. And it's... Um, it's uh, for a single man, um, but there's two bedrooms. You know, there's actually quite a lot packed into this tiny little site. And it has this uh, system of um, grass roof and walls going right around it. It's almost got a pyramid-type um, uh, walls and ceiling. Uh, sorry, roof line is almost pyramid-shaped. And um, irrigation runs through this so it produces this year-round green grass roof and sort of lower roof line. Um, it's quite an interesting house. It's got these beautiful views across the rooftops of Fitzroy, and it's it doesn't seem small inside. It's been very cleverly designed. There's lots of lovely light. And so the roof and, actually acts as like this lovely insulation. Oh yes, well. the 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 um, grasses provide a great amount of insulation. Yes. And it's beautiful, and they're, they're birds with nests in there and all sorts of things. But it's quite a modern-looking building. Yeah. It's um, it's very um, bold, I think, and turns heads I, when people walk past. It's a the, lovely... It's, I, and I do love that type of project, someone that's done something a little bit outrageous and a little bit, um, you know, adventurous. <laughs> um what are some of the other things that have really excited you recently that you've seen and you've just, um, you know, you've just thought, you've, you've thought you've seen everything? There's another mm. house here that I think I've written on this too. Arch, Archie's um, uh, project. I thought that was a beautiful mm. project. It is a beautiful project. And again, very mm. simple. Yep, yep. They're a lovely group of young architects and I think they're really on the ball as far as um, they've got strong ideas about sustainability. But very simple. They're not. They're not. They're just. It's just going back to basics with them. I think, and they are. And it won um, an award. It did. It's won a number of awards. Um, and he's actually and, been on this program. The, oh, okay, right. Yeah. And yeah. their other project that we've done more recently, um, Five Yards House in Tasmania, again a beautiful project. By so the same practice. Yes. Yes. And again, a low, a simple low building, single level beautiful orientation and lovely materials, um, crafted elements to it, which just simple crafted elements to it that just uh, sit so nicely against the, the the raw materials. Well, in this case, the one in the house in Yakandanda, which mm. won a, a major architectural Sawmill award, house. Sawmill House, mm -hmm. um, was designed... Um, by Chris, mm -hmm. uh, I've forgotten his surname. Chris, uh, I can, oh, Chris, 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 Chris. But I'm as bad with names. Um, <laughs> so it'll be in there. And um, uh, Chris Gilbert. That's right. And uh, it was designed for his brother. Mm -hmm. And he actually he told me about the process of building this very simple house. Mm. And it is simple, but it, there is an element of complexity yeah, in the house is. as well. It's not there just is. a box. And not. so green isn't just. Mm -mm. about doing the minimal amount of thought. No, no, absolutely not. It's um it's beautifully designed. And um they use sort of they use these leftover um concrete blocks uh, for, uh, to form a wall. 
Um, and it's built in a quarry too, in, in, in a deserted quarry. So it's quite an interesting project. It sits up really high on the hill. It's got these lovely screened battens that slide across to, to control the weather. It's, um, it is simple, but it's not, but it's not um, that simple, really. Um, Tamsin, in terms of uh, directions in grain, you know, and things that you're coming, you're saying through, you said that, you know, things are getting smaller, more considered. What else do you think's happening in, in the world of grain design? I think that there is this really lovely introduction of, of crafted elements, as I mentioned before. So a lot of architects producing their own hardware in a way in you know there's quite a few people that are starting to produce this kind of beautiful bespoke hardware for their projects which i really love rather than just getting it just buying off the shelf um so there there's and and as i said before scale i just see so many fabulous small dwellings now and i think that that's so important this this is a lovely project this um barn in tasmania which also won some architectural awards last year um, and it was produced by a couple of young architects who um, worked for Kerry Hill and are sort of just going out on their own. Um, Kerry Hill who's based in um, Asia at the moment. Yes, yes and um, uh, I'll just tell you their names because it's um, uh, Elizabeth Walsh and Alex Nielsen yes and they um converted this tiny little barn in the back streets of Hobart into a home and inserted a lovely mezzanine, um, an incredible pivoting, large pivoting door, uh, simple uh, treatment of the interior. It still kept quite a lot of the, the raw brickwork and, um, and again, there's these little bespoke elements designed by them that just give it that touch of, um, you know, sort of almost like jewels. It's a beautiful project and it's just used the space so cleverly and it's a very kind of European um, idea of not taking up too much space and and really considering the layout. And some of these houses are relatively small by Mm. Australian standards. I mean, you're looking at... Tiny. 80 square metres. Tiny Australian standards. uh, Size of apartments. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Yep. Yep, apartment-sized, absolutely. You must also, in being a, an editor of a magazine these days and everyone wants to be published, um, get your fair share of projects that, you know, come across your desk that are meant to be sustainable mm. and they've just got acres of marble mm. and acre, mm. acres of manufactured product yeah. and you just think, why am I looking at this? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I get a few of those. I get a few of those. Actually, I don't get that many of those now because I feel like um, the people that are submitting their projects these days uh, know what I'm after a lot more, but I still get the odd one. Um, Mostly I get projects, and, you know, it's really difficult because I turn down a lot of projects and I would love to be able to publish them all, but six issues a year, you know, and a lot of Melbourne projects actually. And, you know, really only one Melbourne project per issue so six melbourne projects in a year and i would get hundreds submitted through the year so i really try to mix it up i mean i can't i'm i'm not always looking for what pleases me i'm looking for interesting um you know different different types of projects that that might appeal to others but there there are standouts there there are stands out that standouts that are just doing something different you know they're not they're not and yeah absolutely not 
carrying on about water tanks and solar panels. Um, Tamsin, when you look at green projects overseas and green projects here, mm. um, how do you see the difference? Um, well, I think Australian architects stack up very well, actually. You know, they're, they're doing innovative stuff, and that's, that's recognised overseas. I do see some exceptional projects from overseas, too. Um, in which countries in particular? Oh, oh, I've just commissioned an article on an incredible London house um, designed for some fashion designers. Um, and... Um, it's it's called the walled house and it, it it sits in a backyard of, and I think that in London they're looking at the same things we're looking at you know urban density and taking using space well and there's a lot of that subdivide subdivision of blocks of land in the inner city mm. and um, really creative responses to those sites and you know how do you meet the challenges of um, getting enough, enough light into the buildings and um, not disturbing neighbours and enough greenery and thermal mass and you know all those sorts of things how do you deal with those elements in these tiny blocks and I love seeing those projects. What do you think are the main constraints in Australia in terms of taking green further? Because a lot of these houses are quite adventurous mm. and councils generally are quite conservative by mm. nature. Mm. Well that's a real problem. That can be a real problem. And something that's making a very small imprint mm -hmm. on our planet mm -hmm. is actually more difficult to get through often yeah, than the, the, the McMansions that are really, yeah, yeah that's fine, next, mm. next. Yeah, I oh, it's crazy, isn't it? I don't... I don't um, I don't know enough about, you know, what architects are going through, but I hear stories of the difficulties of trying to pass off unconventional buildings, and even though they may well be very green, which is what we would hope that um, councils would approve of. Um, I mean, you know, the whole Nightingale... Um, Movement by Jeremy McLeod. Yeah, is, is an example of success and failure, and I think they're really getting somewhere now. It's fabulous to see that... Um, when you say failure, because there were so many barriers put in their way, there were. I mean that you know they've been held up, and and they really should be given, you know, yeah. free reign. <laughs> it's such a fabulous project, and yeah. so in, I mean I think the Moreland City Council have been great in um, their they were forward thinking council mm -hmm. so they have been good in the end but there've been obviously objections that they've had to um, see through yeah. uh, and you know that comes from other developers and people that don't understand how because it was really a turning point buildings. in melbourne it really was it's an incredible project and it's ongoing and it's fabulous and and it was also an example because jeremy was on the program mm. um, showing that you know you can have really green apartments mm. not just houses Yes, yes. And that's something that is, yep. you know, as we go into this world of apartment living, mm. I would have thought most people would just welcome with open arms. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I, I think probably most of it was welcomed with open arms, but the whole car issue is is Not topical. providing cars. Yes. Um, and uh, I think, you know, they've succeeded um, so far, but there are, there are now the other Nightingale 2 and 3 that will... I'll be battling that um, still. I continue to battle that. Tamsin, it's probably timely to talk about cars because, mm. um, you know, going forward, yeah. we could be in a world where having a car is almost a bit old-fashioned mm. and that people would say, look, you've got a car. Mm. Why don't you take public transport? Do you see a time when... Mm. 
I just we can't don't have a believe car. that's going to happen. I can't believe that's going to happen. I mean, there just seems to be more and more enormous cars on the road to me. Mm. Um, and, uh, well, you know, the other magazine that we produce is Treadley, which is a bicycle magazine. So we What's it called? Treadley. Treadley. Treadley, yeah. It's a bicycle magazine, bicycle design and culture and infrastructure. And we yeah. talk about bike cities, so we... we we um, do articles on different cities that have um, really increased their infrastructure, cycling infrastructure. And Places and like Tokyo. Yep. And um, uh, just recently, London. London has come a long way with their cycling over the last decade. New York, you know, they're, they're because they have to. Mm. And they and what London did by banning, um, well, cars had to pay it into the city of London now. So, you know, that's really forward thinking. Yeah. And I can't even imagine how people would respond to that in Australia. I They'd find the outraged. whole the car culture here is um, is huge. <laughs> it's, Sometimes I just it's my it's I cannot bear four wheel drives, large four wheel drives. I cannot bear them. I just I, think they're completely unnecessary. I find it um, quite amusing and quite sad in a way when you see these four wheel drives and you can't see past them and mm, and it's dangerous. got uh, written on the back of the car, careful, there's a baby on board. As if people on bikes or in small cars, <laughs> really, it doesn't matter what happens to them. <laughs> yeah, they're monstrous and terrifying. I look, yes, I, I don't know where that's all going to go, and if you know the whole idea of building more roads is is not a solution. It's proven it's not a solution. Mm. It's not going to stop where the traffic you, jams. <laughs> Tamsin, where do you see Green Magazine heading in the next few years? What are some of the things that interest you that you think will be getting stronger as you move forward? It's mm. been going now for 10 years. Mm. Well, apartments, as you said, apartments, small-scale prefabrication, that's another area that's um, definitely growing. And um, I've just been compiling an article for our next issue on prefabrication. There's quite a few architects and companies doing prefabricated models, which are um, in many cases very suitable for inner urban areas, tight spaces. Mm. Um, and they offer a good solution. Then they're, they're cost-effective. In some cases, it sort of depends on the on the, um, the situation, but um, they uh, it's interesting, and they're doing you know there's some nice bespoke um, prefabricated models too. There are some architects doing Archiblocks um, is doing Archiblocks are doing them. Archit are doing a different type of prefabrication where they um, produce elements like walls and floors and roofing um, on uh, in a factory and then bring it in in panels on site, so it gives them a little bit more. Um, flexibility with design, but it also, um, for tight spaces, difficult spaces, it's it works really well. Tamsin, so, yeah. um, uh, you might want to answer this question, but I'm interested and probably think, oh, where does Tamsin and her partner Tom live? Do they live in a really green house? <laughs> <laughs> Is it a little footprint? Mm. Yeah. Um, mm. Have, I mean, are you yeah. okay with me asking no, about your greenhouse? No, absolutely fine. Absolutely fine. Have we, you made modifications? Or? We have done very simple modifications to what is um, a turn-of-the-century workers' cottage that it was probably once part of Ripponlea Estate. It's um, very simple. We love it. We have done very simple modifications. Uh, you know, we did buy it with a higgledy-piggledy lean-to and we removed that and put on a small kitchen, um, a kitchen with a dining area. Mm. We put in double-glazed, large double-glazed windows, doors, and um, we've got very good cross-ventilation. We put more insulation in, so we retrofitted, basically. And Mm. um, we have a really nice garden right around our house, and that's what I love about it most of all. That um, we've got, you know, we grow lots of vegetables and we've got beautiful fruit trees and 
We're really lucky to have that. Um, it's, it, it will become more space than we need, so we will eventually move on into a small, probably an apartment, I think, mm-hmm. because we've got children that are... Moving um, on. Leaving, yeah, just leaving, finishing up for school. And so, yes, it's we're thinking ahead now. But And, and I would really like to live in a smaller space yeah. um, that's well-designed. Tamsin, um, what do you enjoy most about being an editor? Is it just seeing the great projects come across your desk? Is it is it about trying to explore different ideas that perhaps haven't been challenged before? I mean, what, what keeps you going? Because you produce, you know six issues a year and imagine mm. every time you put one issue to bed you think oh god what's next but- i've already moved on at that point i've well and truly moved on to the next issue but um i do get really excited when i see a project that's just so different and it's you can't even put your finger on it no it? it's just every now and then something comes in i go oh that's great i love that and it's not always from the same group of architects you know there are so many young practices coming up now that um are working collaboratively with other um, with with product designers, and there's some interesting stuff going on. And so I really love that, and I really love the profiles that we do. I really like the product design because there's a lot of great product design being produced in Australia now, and I and I so happy to see that. I'm so happy mm-hmm. to see local design being designed and manufactured in. In Australia. Which is a bit of a change because it is. ten years ago, probably when you were starting oh, the magazine, incredible. it was almost incredible. like, oh no, we just manufacture overseas. Mm, it's simple. Yep. But now there is thought about how you know the sustainability in terms of uh, mm. transport, yep. getting yep. materials to the site, yep. using local craftspeople. Mm-hmm. Yep. There is that yep. Yep. S- conscious decision to mm. go with that. Mm. And it's it is a pity that you know a lot of the manufacturing industries closed down in that time, over that period. But there's some interesting stuff going on. I mean, in in Adelaide, there are designers working on this idea of um, producing work through um, the car um, industry, you know, by by utilising some of the equipment and the the knowledge there to produce um, furniture. Yeah. That's nice. I love yeah. that sort of story. That's that's fabulous that that can happen. Um, the other thing I was going to ask you, and with your background as a photographer, mm. you could be easily forgiven to just pursue the idea of the image, yeah. just the image, mm. because that's really where things are going at the moment. Mm. But you've mm. said, no, I actually want to give people a good read. Mm. <laughs> I want yes, to educate absolutely. people, yeah. which yeah. kind of sets you apart from mm. some of the other things that are out there mm-hmm. at the moment, mm-hmm. including the internet, which is becoming... Mm. simpler and simpler and simpler. Do you think there's still a role for writers out there? Well, with us there absolutely is because um, we're finding that the magazine is a success because of the long-form articles, because of the well-researched, you know, they've obviously visited the house, they've spoken to the clients, they're there, they've been there. And I think that's really important. It's a real story. And so people buy our magazine because they're sick of looking at a screen sometimes Mm. and they like to sit back and read a proper story about mm. a house and the challenges that the clients faced. And I think that there will always, we will always um, produce stories like that. And that's a priority for us. Oh, good. Yeah, the story. Well, um, hopefully I'll get to speak to you in another 10 years' time and see where Green's going. Um, but look, thanks for coming on the program, Tanzan. Um, you know, I think it's a great thing that you're doing. And I think what you've done essentially is made green um, not hokey. I think mm. green for so many years has yeah. been something that, you know, 
people in the outer suburbs would just, you know, on the mm. fringe mm. would do. And you've actually made it really quite groovy. Thank you. So thanks for coming in today. Pleasure. And uh, you've been with Stephen Crafty, Talking Design at RMIT University in Melbourne. Thanks so much for listening.